Howdy, hey. Welcome to the Texans Take. All right. Wow. I tell you what. So this this day, the you know twentieth of the month of October, is my uncle Bobby's birthday. Oh my gosh. So I actually didn't know this. Uh, it was early in the morning. I say early, early for me getting a text from my dad because he. If he texts me, it's normally midday, yada, yada. Time goes on, right? But now he texts me early morning, said, hey, you know, it's Uncle Bobby. He texted us collectively, me and all my siblings. And he said, hey, it's Uncle Bobby's birthday. You know, he wants to know for his birthday what everybody's favorite thing about Texas is. I tell you what, I ate that up. Like a kid getting a whole bunch of chocolates in his stocking on Christmas morning. It was easy to come up with. And what I told him was, and I'm going to read the text for everyone here. said, we legit started Blue Bell, Dr. Pepper, single-handedly, and the Spotzel German Beer Company requested that they put their brewery in our land. Float that on the rest of you 49 places of residency. Boom! Not hating on the other states, but I'm from Texas. I got to love on Texas just a little bit. And I tell you what, those are, those are the first things that come to mind when I think of Texas and things that are fun, exciting to me. It's all right there. Bluebell. Dr. Pepper, Shiner. Boom. I, I can't argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> we single-handedly... It's pretty, yeah. We single-handedly created and allowed... Uh, pardon me if I say. I know. The world to enjoy some of the best beer on the planet, some of the best ice cream on the planet, and some of the best... I'll say it this way for all the, the northerners because my, my wife is from Ohio... And so she calls it pop. I call it soda. We'll call it soda pop. How's there that? There you go. Boom. Which is so funny because, huh, if you go to Texas, you'll find that even Texans will fight and argue over what to call, you know, sparkly, effervescent, sweet flavored <laughs> water. water. You know, uh, like me, dad is from Texas, right? But he's he spent his, you know, I guess it was uh, early high school to formative years, college years in Texas. He, you know, was an Air Force brat, so he lived all over the place before he actually went back to Texas. Or his family went back to Texas, um, but that's where he went to college and high school and all that jazz. And yes, his formative years indeed were spent in Texas. Mom is from Ohio, Idaho, Ohio, um, and so I'm. I think she just called it soda. I don't know what else she called it. Um, but I just growed up. Growed up. I grew up. You growed up? I growed up. Uh, calling it just soda. I've heard soda pop. But generally, I just call it soda. You want a soda? Right. You know? But I do that to Alyssa all the time. It's like, and you feel like soda. I want to pop. And I'm like, you want a what? You want a what? 
Yeah. So like a pop, and I'm like, you want like a what? Like a Fitzy roll pop? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you're from Texas. Yeah. So you call it soda. Soda. Yeah. Well, I have been in arguments with Texans. Unless it's Dr Pepper, and then I will say it's Dr Pepper. Right. Exactly. But I've been in arguments with Texans over what to call that. I love the people that call every type of soda Coke. Coke. Texans. Apparently, a lot of Texans, it's like, it's Coke. Coke is Coke is Coke is Coke. Meaning, it's a soda. No. And I'm like, no, no, if I wanted a Coke, I would say I would want a Coke. But if I want a soda in general, I'd say I'd want a soda in general. It's like anywhere in the South, if you want sweet tea, you say you want tea. tea. Exactly, yeah. If you want unsweetened tea, you got to specify that. Yeah, or you ain't getting it. You're going to get it. I remember, and it was was very... All right, I'm just going to say, it was the pettiest thing I... Looking back on it now, I'm going, I understand my dad because me and him can be very petty. And he's just as petty as I am sometimes. And there was probably more to it than I remember at this time. But, yeah, it's fine. He'll, he'll die in the beard. <laughs> he'll get stuck, in the, he'll get stuck in the beard. Yeah. So we had a... Nope, didn't get him. We had a, a Sonic. It was owned by people in the, in the community. Whatever. That didn't matter. But <laughs> my mom... My mom always specified unsweet tea, and there were like several times that they just gave her sweet tea and then wouldn't honor that she asked for sweet tea at the window. And so my family quit going there altogether. Like there were there was a period of like five years. We would if we wanted Sonic, we would go to the next town. Right, right. And I'm like there is a good excuse at the time. And I don't remember it, but I remember it was enough to not make me keep asking. And now looking back at it, I'm like, if that's all it was, and there wasn't like more to this, that's petty even for me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll give you, I'll give you a great example, and this is this is actually a decently good example, and it's only a good example in terms of it's connected, but it's not. We had I had a, a bad issue at a brewery here in the land of Asheville area. And I won't say because I at least after a day and a half of arguing with someone got an apology for their reaction. Mm. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. I was there. To that moment I was as petty as anyone could be about I ain't going back. And it took me a long time, and I still have not gone back to their main place. I have, however, one day we were at a we were at the their second location, which are not under the same name. And I was like, "Yeah, I'd like to have a beer." You know what? I'm just gonna. I did get an apology. I think that's that's what brought me to it. I was like, you know what? It would be really uncouth of me not to accept the apology he gave because he did apologize. Yeah. Um. And broke in, but I'm sitting here going, I bet you if we got an apology, it wouldn't have mattered, you know. But no, at the end of the day, those are the three things that came to mind early in the morning. And I say early, like I said earlier, it was early for me because dad doesn't text me early in the morning. If I get a text from dad, it's midday. Ah, cool. Here's the thing, you know, my my siblings and my dad were in a a, a group, 
a little uh it's a group text conversation that yes. we have and it uh is all about classic cars we see a classic car on the side of the road or going down the road we take a picture put it in the group chat yeah cool hey what does everybody think this is or do you know what it is you know and so uh, <laughs> yeah yeah so one of those kind of things and so dad just sent a group chat out to everybody like hey it's uncle bobby's birthday he didn't want presents he wants to know what your favorite thing about texas is That's and i tell you what that is awesome I, and i told dad i called dad after that i was like you know we've done on this show we've done favorite things about texas for almost two months yeah you know yeah and i think the first one of the first things we talked about was shiner <laughs> you know and dr pepper and, dr. and pepper. bluebell and bluebell we talked about all of the big three you know and yeah we're very proud of our shiner dr pepper and bluebell yeah and, uh, you may know, they live on forever. That's right. And if some Texan comes up to you and says, you know, I'd like a Coke, know that he might actually want something other than Coke. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I. That's that's news to me, you but know. Yeah, they just like, sometimes they can get really ornery about it. Like, they're yeah. stuck up. It's like, okay, I know you're from Texas. I am too, right? And so I get it. But at the same time, chill, bro. Right, chill. right, right. My goodness, you know, just because uh, I'm not, just because somebody's not from Texas doesn't mean you have to kick him in the pants because they don't say Coke or soda right or something. Yeah, that's know. not the way we roll. Yeah. But uh, anyway. We're going to take a break right there. Right back. just a Christian response to alcohol um, because first off it's something that a lot of Christians will claim is unchristian to drink alcohol um, there's a lot of controversy about that you know there's a lot of even beliefs out there that Jesus drove Welsh's grapefruit juice <laughs> well grape juice not grapefruit grape juice um, and uh, the idea that Jesus just drank grape juice is kind of silly. And there's a lot of reasons why, but anyway, uh, that's, that's our topic for today. Um, and so if you go on to, I really like to use the uh, Blue Letter Bible. Yeah, me too. It's a good Bible. Well... Blue Letter Bible is basically an app. It's a giant it's a tool. It's a huge tool, and it's got everything Bible on there. You can want every single translation. You can have... It's uh, got commentary. Find things really easily. You can just search a word. It's got, you know, the complete... Um, well, there's a word for it. Um, what is it called? So, and I don't know. I don't know what you focused on okay. as far as everything for today, but I focused on... The two things that I know people argue about. Well, hold on a second. Let me finish my first No, one. go for it. Uh, what I was going to say is using the Blue Letter Bible, if you look up the word wine, 
oddly enough, one of the things I did. You get 216 hits. No, 237. It says wine occurs 237 times in 216 verses in the ESV anyway. And uh, that's the one that I'm looking at here. Um, and uh, I want to say that it's probably a lot more so in the King James Version because in the ESV... Huh, what did you say? What, 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 was, what was the number? Uh, 237 times in 216 verses. Interesting. So in the key... The key J. The key J. I was about to say King James, and then I went to KJV at the uh -huh. same time. Uh, because that's what I, mine automatically prompts to, sure, but sure. I usually use uh, NIV or ESV. Yeah. But uh, 231 times in 212 verses. Really? Now, what, what nice. version are you using? Uh, ESV. So, some of the ESV was translated by different... Uh, Different scripts. See, that's interesting because... Um, Which is odd because usually the the ESB and NIV take stuff out. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is in the King James Version, there's a lot of, you know, instead of saying drunkards, it might say like wine bibbers. Which is basically the same thing. It's an old word for drunk, wine bibber. Um, and so I would, I would think... I was thinking that maybe you would you would see the word wine more often just because sometimes it'd be a conjunction. Well, that's funny. Bigger. When I pull up, when I pull up the, the ESB, it says 237 and 218. That's weird. I'm going to pull up two different things for the same search. I put wine. You put wine, right? I just put wine, yeah. W-I-N-E? Yeah, I have 237 times and 216 verses. Huh. That is interesting. Very interesting. Wine bibber is used apparently twice in KJV and two times in NKJV and two in the ASV. So apparently it's not used as often as I, I might have thought. But anyway, doesn't matter. Um, boom. So, nope, still says the same. 237 times and 216 verses in the ESV. Oh, that's what, I, that's what I just said. 237 times and 216 verses? Yeah. Well, I thought you said 218. No, two, no, no, that's not what I said. I heard yeah, 237 and 260. If I said 218, and obviously it's recorded, y'all let me know. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Back and find out. I read 237 and 216. Doesn't um, matter. That's what it shows in my two. So we're all good. But anyway. Yeah, you scared me there uh, for a minute. I was like, wait, where are we getting the. Because uh, no. I love. So, quick note when uh, Dad start. Oh, by the way. Yeah. We'll go ahead and we'll have a. A series on on this uh, on uh, the word the word the words escaping me at this very moment uh, when you bring somebody in as an elder or a ordained ordained I don't know why that word was so hard at that moment my dad in November is being ordained as a as an associate pastor really so that's wow exciting yeah, very exciting very exciting. Um, you try to have him on around that time because that is so cool awesome. uh, for me, especially. But um, what I was actually going to go with there is being ordained is something that uh, often happens around what? Communion. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> I guess so. It does. Generally speaking. Uh, either it's usually the it's usually the week before communion uh-huh. or after. Well, it's going to change in different churches because some churches, God bless them, have communion every Sunday. <laughs> Generally speaking, that's a that's a good practice that most churches use is communion before you know nominating or you know ordaining right. new ministers yeah. or. Or such, and that's that just goes back to you know really the Passover. Yeah, you know that's a that's a good starting point for alcohol in the Bible. Yeah. Do you have that verse pulled up by the way? Mm, I don't think so. Uh, which one is that? Let's see. You're gonna. Well, um, you look into that. Uh, there's another thing that you can pull up. Um, so. If you look at the Blue Letter Bible and type in wine, 216 verses, 237 hits. But the Bible also uses strong drink. That's the other one I pulled up. That was actually the one I was going to say. It says it occurs 58 times in 20 verses. And so, as you can see, the Bible has a lot to say about it. It's not always talking about strong drink or wine, but it's, it's used fairly often, you know. And oftentimes it is used talking specifically about drink and, you know, wine, strong drink, whatever. And I just want to say real quick, one of the, like I said earlier, one of the, I, this probably won't take quick at all, but one of the big controversies is the Christians that believe that drinking alcohol of any kind is sin. Um... And if you read the Bible, then it's like, wait a minute. If that's a sin, why doesn't ever why doesn't it ever call it a sin in the Bible? And they're like, oh, there's loads of verses. There's, don't be drunkers, you know. Don't go after wine and strong drink and this, that, and the other, you know. And it's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, I mean, yes, that is what the Bible says. It does say, don't be drunkards, but it doesn't say, don't drink alcohol. You know, it doesn't say, don't drink wine and strong drink. It says, don't get drunk. I'm just looking through a couple of verses here. Oh, here's another thing. Um, let's see. For the offering, there's a lot of sacrifices that they used to um, you know, um, offer to God in the Old Testament. And one of them was a drink or a wine offering. And that would be in conjunction with a couple other different offerings for whatever reason. Um, But if we're offering up wine to God, then that tells me that it can't be a sin. That'd be kind of like, you know, um, it's going to be rather um, a little bit lewd. It'd be like, you know, um, having premarital sex for God or something like that. It's like, I'm sorry, God never asks for that, ever, you know. Uh, Killing animals, burning animals, eating animals, sure, that. Burning incense, uh, stuff like that, you know, absolutely. The only place where, you know, there's anything even hinting at a sin being offered up towards God is... um, when Abraham is going to sacrifice his son, 
But before that, Abraham is promised that they will both come back from the altar. And so he knows ahead of time, hey, I'm not sure what God's going to do here, but somehow, you know, me and my son will come back alive. But God does ask him, you know, he's testing his, you know, how much do you love me? How much do you trust me? You know, um, and he says, hey, offer up your only son, you know, which God had promised several, you know, he had promised future generations through his son. And so Abraham's like, God has promised all of these things through this son in particular. Seems like this so one's going to make it. He's got to make it somehow. I don't know how, but he will make it. And Abraham trusted that, which is why when God said, offer up your son. You know, it's a, I'm going to I'm going to throw something out there that's very interesting. Yeah. Is and it's cuz we all know this. Yeah. Abraham has not always had this faith. Mm-hmm. This is actually a pivotal new faith for Abraham. Right. Because he didn't even believe God was going to give him this son. Right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. You know. This is like, like I'm going to give me a son in my old age. Ha! That's a that's a good one. This is this is one. almost a slap in the face. You know? And so then afterwards he's like, well, God gave me and my um, old wife a son, my old barren wife a son. So I guess he can. Do I'm uh, yeah. I'm I'm guessing. I'm starting to trust him a little bit more here. Yeah, I I just, you know, and this goes back to reading the Bible hundreds of times. We've read it, and I never thought about that once. Yeah, really? Yeah, that, you know, the, the, I'm going to trust God because of this, never really crossed my mind. Yeah, and so, anyway, that's the only instance that I can think of where, you know, God was like, you know, offer something... I guess sinful, but again, it wasn't sinful because Abraham knew that this wasn't going to be permanent, right? Right. You know, and uh, and so anyway, he trusted him, and then Angel was like, "Well, whoa, whoa, Abraham, you're good, you're good, you're good. Way to go! Oh, you passed the test, right? Uh, there's a ram over there stuck in the bushes. Why don't you go off of that? Good job." Where'd you go, man? Which then again, as we'll get to later, angel of the Lord. Note that. Yeah, yeah. And so, anyway, uh, aside from that, I can think of God asking us to offer anything sinful before him. And, and was so, that sinful, though? Right, right, right. You could argue. I suppose you could argue that it wasn't, which I would argue that it wasn't. It wasn't sinful. Um Argue made. What I'm saying is, why would God have us offer something sinful to him? You know, it'd be like, you know, offering, I don't know. I already gave a good example earlier. But, and I think, I want to say, I could correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to say that there was a place where if you're really poor and you didn't have any, you know, uh, bird or cow or lamb or goat or sheep, whatever, then there might have been one instance where you could offer up, like, you know, a pig or something like that. It's in Leviticus. Yeah. And that's like, you know, hey, look, if you literally have nothing, fine, you know. Uh, offer up a pig. I'll make that, you know. Now, if you we'll have a goat, eventually. <laughs> if you have a goat and you offer up a pig, yeah, issues. 
issues will come, I promise. Right. Um, but all that to say, one of the things that he calls us to offer is uh, wine in the Old Testament. It was a wine offering. And so, um, you know, it, it doesn't make sense that wine in and of itself or the consumption of it would be sinful, right? So the next, there's a lot of different arguments made. Like, you know, whenever the Bible says wine, it actually doesn't, it just means grape juice. You know, it's not actually alcoholic wine. Yeah. You know, not... they like to make distinctions between new wine and old wine. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's, you know, new wine is just wine that's new. It hasn't aged very long. And so it's still really sweet, which means it makes it worse, you know. It's kind of like a, uh, um, what is that really sweet, nasty one that I don't like? Sangria. Sangria. It's like a sangria, you know? It's so sweet, you know, it's not incredibly alcoholic, or maybe not as alcoholic as it could be, but man, when you have that syrupy sweetness and you've got a sweet tooth and you're sitting there slobbering away at this stuff, yeah, you're going to get knocked on your can real quick, you know? Um, and, and so the idea that there's that wine in the, in the Bible is, let me, let me, let me read this for you. I found this and it was actually kind of interesting. Uh, let me see. Maybe I got rid of it. I hope I didn't get rid of it. Nope. I don't think I got rid of it. Yes, I did. I got rid of it. Uh, where did it go? Um, here we go. So. That's not it. There's a different bit. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Um, did Jesus change water into wine or grape juice? So that's like, you know, my Jesus would never create anything as sinful as wine. You know, it's like, yeah. But he did. Well, let's look into this a little bit. John chapter 2 records Jesus performing a miracle at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. At the wedding, the host ran out of wine. Jesus' mother, Mary, asks Jesus to intervene. He does so. Reluctantly, Jesus has the servants bring six jars filled with water, then instructs the servants to give to the other overseers of the celebration. Water miraculous turns into wine, and the overseer declares it was the best wine he had ever tasted. I would love to have tried that wine, by the way. I know, right? We couldn't In even put it on the charts. Jesus performs an amazing miracle, actually altering the molecular composition of the water, changing it into wine. Uh, the point of the account is summarized in John 2.11. Um, he thus reveals his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. Usually, though, when this passage is studied, the side issue becomes the main issue. Did Jesus transform the water into wine, fermented alcoholic, or into grape juice, non-alcoholic? This is from gotquestions.org slash jesuswaterwine.html if you ever want to check this out. This is my quote-unquote source. Um, throughout the passage, the Greek word translated wine is oinos, which is the common Greek word for normal wine, wine that was fermented slash alcoholic. The Greek word for wine, for the wine Jesus created, is the same word for the wine the wedding feast ran out of, okay? So they had wine, they ran out of wine. Jesus provided more wine. The wine that they had was oinos. They ran out of oinos, and Jesus created more oinos, right? Um, 
And so uh, the wine that was, uh, the Greek word for the wine that Jesus created is, okay, uh, the wedding that ran out. The Greek word for the wine Jesus created is also the same word that is used in Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine. How can you get drunk on grape juice? Just straight up grape juice. I mean, I guess if you, you let can. it sit for a you couple years and become wine. You can get sick, but if you leave it, you know, um, uh, if you drink it by itself, you, I mean, it's, it's just grape juice, right? Um, so obviously getting drunk from drinking wine requires the presence of alcohol. Everything from the context of a wedding feast to the usage of oinos in first century Greek literature Tells us it was wine. For the wine that Jesus created to be normal, ordinary wine containing alcohol. There's simply no historical culture, uh, cultural exeget uh, uh, ex exegetical, contextual, or lexical reason to understand it to have been grape juice. Um, and so, anyway, yes, Jesus created wine. No, wine in itself is not sinful. Again, it's one of those big Christian topics. It's just like, you know, sex, sex, yo, ooh, sex, yeah. It's not sinful. Sex in and of itself Under this is not sinful. There's a great argument that, that, you know, God really loves the act of sex. He likes his people making more of his people, right? Uh but it becomes sin if you do it outside of marriage. Marriage, yeah. right? And so that's where it becomes a sin. It's not what it is, it's how it's used. And so it's the same deal with wine. It's not that it's wine. It's not that it, it you know can make you drunk. It's that you use it to make yourself drunk, and that's when it becomes a sin. Okay? And so... Uh, if there's somebody, my goodness, that is addicted to alcohol, which there are a lot of those, then my goodness, they should never even look at wine or, or you know, drink or beer or whatever because, you know. Uh, this is a problem. It's a problem for them. You know, they're going to they're gonna be, uh, um, Pastor John Weaver says, um, there's sin, right? And God condemns sin. If he condemns sin, he also condemns the steps that you take to that sin. And that is sin also, right? And so, if you are a drunkard, and you can't even, you know, look at a bottle without, you know, craving and thirsting for alcohol, uh, then, you know, let's say... There's a bottle, and you're just sitting there, and you're a drunkard, and you're just like, you know, oh, okay. You move the bottle a little bit closer, all right? You're like, I'm, I'm not going to drink it, you know? Then you go sit right next to the bottle. It's like, no, no, I'm not sitting yet, you know? You put the bottle in your lips. I'll just have a little shot glass just to remember what it tastes like, you know? Then you have a little shot, all right? Then you're like, you know, a little glass wouldn't hurt, you know? So you have a little glass, you know? And then you finish the bottle, and it's like, oh, boy, you know? Oh, woe is me. Have I messed up? Yeah, but... You know, I feel pretty good, you know, I'm, I mean, you know, and then, you know, five bottles later, you know, you're just slobbering on the ground, drunk, don't remember anything, and uh, you're making yourself a, an utter fool. All of those steps to that drunkenness were all sin, okay? It was all sin, 
um, because you have a problem with alcohol and you facilitated that problem. You facilitated that sin and that indeed in itself is sin. So you allowed it to be more of a problem. Exactly. Uh, and so, you know, two, two men drink alcohol, one with a drinking problem, one, one without, you know, chances are only one of them is committing a sin. <laughs> or chances are only one of them is not committing a sin. You know, uh, if, if, if alcohol is a, a terrible problem for you, uh, then the steps that will inevitably lead to your drunken stupor, you know, that's sin too. But if you don't have an issue with alcohol, then, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that. <laughs> um, so that's, this section right here is, look, wine is in the Bible. Strong drink is in the Bible too. So there's a distinction there too. Um, alcohol, uh, wine is not the only form of alcohol in the Bible because... There's a lot of undocumented uh, adult beverages in there that is just covered under strong drink. Um, it's not necessarily just wine. Uh, they had other things. Um, but uh, yes, whenever it says wine in the Bible, they're talking about actual alcoholic wine. Uh, I see absolutely no evidence that it's talking about anything other than that. And if you have evidence for it, I would love to see it. I really would. Um, but um, uh, anyway, we're going to take a break right there, and we will be right back. All right, we are back we to are Wine back. and God. All right, if I can get into my computer without a yeah. All right. So, um, I just wanted to, you know, say one more time, you know, um, I don't hold it against anybody that believes that when the Bible says wine, that it's talking about that when it, it talks about Jesus and the disciples and the good people in the Bible drinking wine, that that's actually grape juice. You know, but I, I, I will I will say that, you know, please dive a little bit deeper into the word of God and talk to some um, other biblical sources and, um, you know, see if you come to, to the same conclusion that I have uh, and that Brig has and that most most of the large theologians anyway, that when the Bible talks about wine, it is indeed wine, alcoholic wine. And it talks about strong drinking. Too. I want to read. Yeah, I so want to read the Passover uh, too. Oh yeah, uh, did you find that yet? I did. I, I did find it, but uh, pardon me if I'm like a little. So, blue letter on my phone is different than that. It okay. is in the. Uh, well, let me read this uh, thing right here. Yeah, and, go for um, it. Um, so we looked at wine and strong drink. Okay, so this is Isaiah five twenty to twenty three. Uh, and I just want to preface this with, uh, my dad always told me growing up, you know, he was like, you know, son, whenever you drink whiskey, drink a good single malt, you know, don't get any of those blended scotches or anything like that. That's just nasty. 
He also told me, you know, hey, Stuart, you know, um, whenever you drink, stick to one thing. You know, if you're drinking beer, drink beer. If you're drinking wine, drink wine. If you're drinking whiskey, drink whiskey. Don't mix them, okay? That's a recipe for a hangover big time. Uh, anyway, so I always had that in the back of my head. And then I read Isaiah 5, 20 through 23. It says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicated drink who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away justice from the righteous man. And so I thought it was, you know, woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink. Well, intoxicating drink, you know, uh, let's talk about whiskeys here, you know. And if you're mixing them or blending them, as Dad calls it, it says, "Woe to men valiant for blending your whiskeys." You know, <laughs> that's not exactly what it says here, but you know, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but this is a really, this is this is good. I like this. This is really good because this hits at the heart of a lot of men and women out there, uh, even in the Christian community. Uh, who, you know, when you talk about alcohol or something, you're like, oh, so-and-so drinks a lot, you know, and, you know, doesn't get drunk or anything like that. Um, and then somebody else is just like, you know, ah, that's nothing. I can do twice that amount, this, that, and the other. Well, this is, um, this is God saying, hey, uh, don't do that. Big time. Whoa. Stop. And so... Uh, for you men and women out there who uh, think that you're so amazing at how much alcohol you can drink, uh, God is telling you in Isaiah 5, 20 through 23, well, it's Isaiah, I guess, probably 5, 22, uh, that's bad. And, you know, this is um, basically saying don't do that. Anytime it says, whoa. Jesus says a lot of woes also, you know, uh, and that's, uh, anytime he says that, that's kind of, you know, hey, keep this up and it's, you're going to get it coming to you, you know, uh, you will not appreciate where, uh, uh, you won't appreciate the box that God puts you in. And so here it says, woe to men mighty at drinking wine. And how many people have we met? You know, myself included, boy, I've done it too. Just like, you know, man, I can drink five beers and be fine. You know, yeah, five beers, Stuart. Well, wow, that's great, man. I can drink a bottle of whiskey and be fine. You know, I can. That's why that, I was talking about earlier. I was saying you need to have check levels. Right, right. Like for me, when I drink, I'm like, I'll drink a little bit and then I will stop for a while. And right. you've noticed this, yeah, apparently, because yeah. I, I asked you if you'd notice this. For this previously, because yeah. I'll I'll stop for a minute and be like, yeah, I'm good for now. Yeah, and it's because I want to make sure that alcohol is not affecting my daily decisions. Walking decisions, judgment, walking, putting others in danger, putting yourself in danger. You know, getting in strife. Fighting. And I've been there's been one time I can remember where I was, I literally I came to. It was William at one of your chili parties, and uh -huh. I said, "You know, I think I've, I think I've had a month, you know, a bit too many. You know, not so much that I couldn't get home, but let's not. 
And I said, do y'all, you know, have a couch or something that I might be able to... Because I, I continued drinking water and stuff for the rest of the evening. But yeah. I was like, you know what? I think it's not a good idea. Wisdom is not moving. Yeah. It's, it's not. Yeah. That's you know. And yourself. And I can only think of one time that that's ever happened. And we were at a chili party. And I said, yeah, I think uh, when everything clears out, I, if I could, you know, crash on y'all's couch. That's... And, and that was, you know, uh, that's happened, what, once in seven years? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, obviously I knew it wasn't right. You know, it wasn't, mm -hmm. it's not like I'm justifying my decision. Right, right. But I just knew, A, I had gone a little over what I knew I could be yeah, okay with, yeah. especially on the road, because yeah. you're handling you and how many other lives. Right, exactly. <laughs> the last thing that I want to do is be responsible for, you know, killing a... Um, uh, a new family with, you know, a, a baby child or something. In the yeah. Car. I literally think about that kind of stuff. No, I'm no. In the car and I'm like, you know, honestly, I'm about to go drink or something. I'm like, that's not something that I want on my conscience, you know? I would not have thought about it as hardly. And, and that's what I say. When you, and I, and I know I've said this before, experiences really make who you are. Yeah. You know, not things that you've lived through, but things that other people have lived through and can give you wisdom on. Yeah. Because that means that means everything, you know. But I had a guy, and you got to think I was really young, but I remember him because I remember his parents. They were awesome. It was a daycare. We, you know, this is a guy who's much older than me, and by my much older at the time, I'd say he was in in spectrum. It's it's funny how you lose spectrum of age of people yeah. when you get older. Yeah. He was probably six or seven years old than me, mm -hmm. which in today's world wouldn't mean much to me. Mm -hmm. He's a little bit older than me. That's, That's what I'd old. say. Yeah. He's a little bit older than me. Older when than I was, me. you know, seven, that was, man, he was, he was a hero compared to me, yeah. you know, and he died. It's pretty gruesome. It was, it was on the interstate, drunk driver. Eight years later, you got to fast forward. I was at a convenience store and I met this this man. He was it was it was the weirdest situation. It really start to finish. I'm behind, you know, I'm behind this person. So I'm just hearing conversation. And the person in front of this man asked him. Didn't have he didn't have the money to buy his alcohol. Yeah, yeah. To me, that always immediately drops red flags. Right. Yeah, huge red flags. But this guy, I wouldn't even go in for alcohol. I was way too young for that. You don't have money, and that's what you're buying. Yeah, and 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 the guy was, you know, he literally turned to the next guy in line and said, "Can you, you know, scoot me, scoot me a couple dollars so I can buy this." And the guy said, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't even drink anymore. He said, well, that doesn't mean you can't help me. I said, he said, yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. He said, I killed a man. Because mm. I was drunk, couldn't tolerate myself. I didn't have the money to buy it, and I asked for somebody else for money. Ooh. And they gave it to me. Oh, man. You know who that guy ended up being? Oh. The guy who killed my friend. The guy that was the son of the daycare owner. He was literally the guy that stood up for 
a righteous cause at that moment. He said, no. He said, I've been there. He said, there's no way I'm letting you relive what I've lived through. I pulled him aside after that because I wasn't, I was curious. Yeah. And you're talking, I was, I was 16. Right. You know, I pulled this 50 year old man aside. Tell me more. Cause at this point I didn't know he was that guy. And he's telling me play by play what happened. I said, was it, was it Landon? He said, how'd you know? He said, here's my buddy. Here's my buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Back when I was, was a kid, you're you're talking, this is seven years had passed and I still remembered, you know, what the, the little bits of knowledge that a seven year old gets. Yeah. Because I'm I'm a very big proponent of the Corey Tin Boone, you know the mm-hmm. the baggage is too heavy for you. Yeah. Uh, but one day you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And but he he laid out the story. He said, "Man, he said I was broke. I didn't have anything." He said, and "I literally asked the guy in line behind me to scoop my money from my alcohol." He said I was drunk. I was beyond drunk. He said I got in the car that day. I turned to Ben. I was in the wrong lane. Mm-hmm. So that lived with him for the rest of his life. Yes. Till to this day. And watching him like stop that train of cycle when somebody who was obviously not okay said, Hey, can you pass me a couple dollars? Yeah. And he said, Nah. He just like straight up, there was no fear shaking in that man's body. He said, no. He said, I've been where you are. You don't need that drink. Yeah. And that's good. That yeah, is that is good really to acknowledge. Good. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. But that doesn't necessarily mean that alcohol, you know, in yeah. itself is bad. It doesn't. It does not. No, it's not. It's not alcohol that's bad. It's how it's used. You know, it's just like we were talking about earlier. What, what is the the reference you made to a gun? You know, just like a gun. You know, if you only ever let's just say, let's. This is actually a really good example, and I apologize for all the cops out there. Mm-hmm. If you're a cop in the let's say the homicide unit, sure, and you only ever see a gun kill people. Are you going to be super okay with a gun outside of your work? Nope. Somebody else has one. Might say, whoa, now. What do you plan on doing with that? You know? Yeah, you're always it, 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 it shapes your perspective yeah. differently. However, you know, if you understand, which I know a lot of cops are, that's why I'm saying I'm not, I'm not shooting a, shooting a point <laughs> at cops here. But if you see a gun used in the proper aspects, the proper parameters, mm-hmm. you know that the gun is not the problem. Exactly. Yeah. You and know? alcohol is the same way. It's the same way. You know, if you, um, you know, if you only see it being used for getting drunk and misery and you know uh, character, you know, changes. If you see somebody's character changing after they've had a couple of drinks, and that's all that you ever see with alcohol, then. I can understand that 100%. You, you, yeah, 100%. Your, your perception is going to yeah. be 100% changed. And it's flawed. It is flawed because you're only seeing one side of the coin. You're not seeing people using alcohol 
you know, in a, what I would call a biblical sense, you know, for the reason God gives it to us. And we'll dive into that in a little bit here. Yeah. Um, and but, I mean, uh, and that goes that right there, which you just said goes back to sin nature. Exactly. You know, we There's are, we are sinful. God has given us that is good, but we haven't twisted for evil, everything, you know. Um, so actually let's, um, let's, let's go into that a little bit. Well, hold so, on before you, yeah, before okay. you jump there, I was going to go to the, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. the Passover here. And I actually did find it. Uh, it took a minute because, like I said, I'm used to looking at the the blue letter on a, mm. a tablet or a phone. Yeah. And uh, I've I've had to become somewhat accustomed to the <laughs> the actual format they have online. Right, right. But if you look in, uh, it's it's Matthew 26. Okay. And he literally says, and he took of the cup, and gave and was given in thanks, and he gave it to them. Drink it, drink of it, all of you. For this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many in forgiveness of sins. Folks, that is pivotal. Yeah. He goes on to say, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine. He's talking about wine here. Yeah. Let's not get confused. Until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Yeah. That right there. And and though it seems not as pivotal as it is, that is pivotal. It is, yeah. Because this is someone who, as Stuart brought up earlier, you know, transformed water into wine. At a wedding. You know, at a wedding. And he is saying, look, this is... This is my blood. This is a reference. Yeah. We could even say in Bill's term, a shadowing. Shadowing, yes. Of what's to come. And he's saying, this is the covenant. This is what it is. Poured out to all of y'all. For those who receive it. You know, that's what he's saying. This is this is the last time I'm going to partake, and I'm partaking with y'all. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And that wine that he talks about there is that same oinos that he talks about in different areas saying, you know, don't don't drink this to drunkenness, you know. And so that was alcoholic, y'all. It really is. Um, now, I thought would be a good idea would be to, um, uh, I found a site that's got a bunch of different verses about wine. And so let's uh, look through there. And it just says Bible verses about drinking alcohol. You know, obviously a very pointed like um, search. Um, but let's read through some of these and just see what the Bible says about alcohol. And um, you know, because they obviously found some good verses here um, about the characteristics of alcohol and how we're to use it, or how it's used, or not to use it. And so I thought that we'd read through some of those and see. So First Peter four three, and these are not in order. Any. 1 Peter 4.3, for you have spent enough time in the past, and hold on, I'm not sure what version they're using, so I might try to find this in the ESV. 1 Peter 4.3, okay. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, Drinking parties and lawless idolatry. And so, 
Um, when you read this, what do we see? We see drunkenness, orgies, uh, drinking parties, and lawless idolatries, sensuality. Uh, and so that's all a lot of bad stuff. And when it says drinking parties, it's not talking about having everybody over for a margarita. It's talking about like people coming over to get drunk. And I mean, think about like the Roman, the Roman parties, you know, uh, which their parties were absolutely hit. I mean, just terrible. I mean, they were drunken orgies and my goodness, uh, the debauchery going on there. And so when you see drunkenness here, this is talking about alcohol. It's not saying, you know, uh, don't drink alcohol. It's saying don't get drunk. And it's listing drunkenness with orgies, lawless idolatry, sensuality, sensuality. And so it's just like, you know, drunkenness is up there with those. So don't do it. Okay, so let's look at another verse here. Um, 1 Timothy 5.23. Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your, free, your frequent illnesses. So this is Paul talking to Timothy. And apparently Timothy, um, you know, I guess had frequent illnesses or something like that. And what is Paul telling him? Uh, stop drinking just water, bro. Have a little wine. You know, there's... there's and I think, I think Luke might have mentioned that too. He might know. have. And uh, so Paul's sitting here saying, you know, hey, buddy, you drink some wine... You know, uh, maybe your stomach will feel a little bit better, and maybe you won't be sick quite. And even long. even today, they know there's digestive health. There are with drinking yeah, wine. Wine, yeah. You know, and, I can I can speak for that. Yeah, because and also I don't know what the quality of his water is, but sometimes just they have the said water that. Yeah, can be the issue. Yeah, that's not saying that all water is bad, but it's just saying that you know um, when you when you make alcohol. You know, it's the the quality of the water matters, but any of that that's any of the you know nastiness in the water is going to be you know filtered out and uh, or um, uh, I guess cleansed a yeah. little bit with the alcohol and stuff in it. Uh, and so this is Paul telling Timothy to drink some wine, bro. You know, you're looking you're looking sickly. And so that is a good use of alcohol. It's a good use of wine. So Ecclesiastes 9.7, Go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let's look at that. There's, I feel like there's a little context behind it. So Ecclesiastes 9.7. All right, let's stay up there. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9. Okay, and it says, let's see. Ba, 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 ba. Enjoy life with the one you love. Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love. All the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, uh, because that is the portion of life in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. And so this is 
a beautiful passage right here. Absolutely beautiful. Why is it so beautiful? Um, because this is the joy of Christian living right here. This is hope of salvation right here. And he's basically saying, you know, uh, go live your life with, you know, uh, with joy, with, with your wife. Have a good, happy life in Christ, you know, because um, you're saved. You, right. have a re you have a renewed, regenerated heart, okay? <clears throat> the things that you do, you might, you might still sin some, but, you know, you're serving God now. You're serving God with gladness. And so it says, that's why it says, for God has already approved what you do. Um, and I think that's in reference to the fact that, you know, you have a renewed heart in Christ. Um, so your life now uh, can be lived with joy and happiness, knowing that, you know, uh, you're going to a kingdom everlasting and with a new heart comes new motivations, the things that you do now are for Christ, and not just for yourself, you know? Right. And so um, uh, that's that's the uh, the Christian, what's it called? Uh, um, uh, uh, not Christian license, but uh, basically, if, you know, the Bible doesn't say not to do it, then, you know, it, it's probably okay. It's basically living without fear of damnation or right. anything. It's living knowing that God loves what you do, that God loves you, uh, and that you can enjoy life. You don't need to worry about things. You know, Christ died for you. You're going to heaven. Uh, you have a, an assurance of salvation. You should be happy. You should be spreading happiness. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit, you know, is joy. Let your garments always be white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. He's saying, hey, you know, um, there's nothing wrong with uh, living a happy life with nice things since that's not your focus anymore. Right. Your focus is now Christ. And so all these nice things that you have, it's just fluff. And you know it's fluff, but it does make life a little bit enjoy more enjoyable. So go for it. Enjoy life um, uh, with the wife with whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun. Because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with might. And that's, you know, um, it says, For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in shield to which you are going. Um, you know, he's saying you're not going to hell. So whatever you do. Do it with might and joy for God. That's the, uh, uh, whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And that's this right here. And so it's saying, you know, have some wine. Enjoy yourself. You know, uh, we're going to take a quick break here and we'll be right back. All right, we are back. We are back. Okay, so let's continue down here and look at a couple more of these. So Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the Spirit. So, hey, don't be drunk, okay? If you're going to be overwhelmed with something, be overwhelmed with the Spirit, you know? 
Proverbs 21, wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. I'd like to look at that. I wonder if beer is a good translation. Let's see. Um, who was that? Psalms? Or was that? Proverbs 21. Not 21, but 21. 20 verse 1. Verbs 20 plus 1. And boom. And it says, wine is a mocker, strong drink, a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wine. It, it, it's not wise. <laughs> not wise. Uh, so it uses strong drink here instead of uh, beer. So strong drink is probably a better translation, but that could be anything other than wine, I suppose. Um, and that's what it says. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. Okay, so, you know... Um, if your life is consumed with just wine, then, you know, uh, it's empty. Strong drink is a brawler. So mocker and brawler, uh, that's two of the drunk stereotypes. Anytime you see somebody, you know, who is completely drunk, there's going to be a lot of different, you know, types of drunks out there. But one of them is a mocker. You know, they go over there right. mocking everything you say, you know. Oh yeah, you're just all full of it. Yeah, 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 Afterwards, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, man. I hope I didn't do anything I regret. And you sit there with a black eye like, yeah, geez, thanks. You know? um, I don't know. What's your idea of regret? Yeah. Um, and it says, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Okay. Mm. And so if you're being led astray by alcohol, then you're not wise. Don't do it. Stop. You know? But what this means... Just like my example at the store right there. Exactly, You know, someone who had been not wise recognized that in someone else and said, I'm not about to let you play that same game. Right. (laughs) I lost points. If you you read this verse and take it, you know, take the the contra of this verse, you know, that would be like saying, you know, um, wine in moderation... Um, and strong drink in moderation is enjoyable. And, you know, if you aren't led astray by it, then you're wise, uh, which, you know, you can kind of pull that from this, this, this verse here. Um, and so anyway, uh, that's, you know, it's saying, hey, if you're being led astray by wine, okay, if you drink enough to where, you know, it starts changing your character. Uh, you're foolish. You are not wise. No, not at all. So don't do it. Proverbs twenty three thirty one. Do not gaze at wine. I'd like to look at this one. It says, do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. And I'm kind of like, hmm, we kind of tasted wine a lot here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. Let's look at that one. Now I'm intrigued. Uh, it does say sparkle though. Our wine doesn't sparkle. Doesn't it, though? There's no fuzzies. Yeah, I don't know. I guess not. Uh, Proverbs 23, 31. Da, 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 da. Proverbs, oh, that's just a couple over. 20, 21, 22, 
See that is wow, that's a, that's that a is specifically talking. Description. So it's that right there, you know, a little more context, a little more going into it. That's talking about someone who has a desire, an endless desire for wine. Yeah, you know, like things that sparkle, you go towards it. Yeah, you know, an endless desire for wine. That is what you desire. At the end of the day, it's going to bring you nothing than sadness. However, everyone, you know, a lot of people, and and I, I mean seriously, a lot of people that drink, uh-huh. you know, let's let's talk about like every high schooler on the planet, right? You know, myself included at the time. What did we drink for? Uh, I did when I was high school. I know, I know. You're a little <laughs> see, and and me, I was uh, I was also homeschooled like Stuart here, but I. I would sneak out to my buddies who knew uh, I was homeschooled, didn't get out much. I won't say I was better than that, but I didn't. No, that. no, <laughs> I, 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 I understand. I understand. Yeah. I, I took advantage of that. I was like, yeah, come pick me up. Yeah. And at this point, I didn't drive. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to drink everything I can. It's amazing. But it's funny that they talked about the redness of uh-huh. eyes. Yeah, yeah. That caught me very specifically. Yeah, I was yeah. like, what happens after a, a day where you drink? Yeah. You start feeling like crap. Yeah. And your like, eyes are red. Hangover. You get, you know, anybody that looks at you is just like, oh, dude, <laughs> you're okay. I was okay yesterday. You know, it's like, yeah, you got a hangover. That's what it's called. Those who tarry long over wine, those who spend the whole day drinking it, okay? Those who go to try mixed wine. Oh, let's mix this and that and see if we can make it even better, you know? Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup um, and goes down smoothly. Yeah, and it's and essentially so he's saying, saying... He's saying if you're sitting here starry-eyed over wine, just like, pour me another glass. Oh, you know, he just doesn't stop flowing. Yeah, it's know? it's yeah, it's not good for you. In the end, it bites like a serpent. It sings like an adder. That's a flowery way of saying, you ain't going to appreciate the hangover. And on top of that, uh, you're going to beat somebody up, get beaten up, make a lot of stupid decisions, wake up married. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Don't go to Vegas. All sorts of debauchery can happen. It says your eyes will see strange things and your heart utter perverse things. Have you ever seen somebody who is drunk just like seeing random things that aren't there? Or Or somebody will say something perfectly normal and they'll take it completely backwards. Yeah. And then that's how they start a fight, you know. Uh, and then your heart will utter perverse things. Just just start saying. And this is a good. This is a good like, point to acknowledge. Me, I I understand you're drunk. Just like please 
stop talking, go away. It's like, nah, you just think I'm drunk. It's funny. You just, you just said exactly what I was talking about. You know, oftentimes, you know, I'm not going to say oftentimes, a lot of times. And I've seen this, uh, you know, I work with the public on a daily basis. And it's, I think, good to note, Mm -hmm. you know, not just going into, we'll, we'll go into this a little bit more in a later podcast because i've already kind of planned something out for this but this also gives you a little bit of insight into something not to go down especially if you're depressed Uh you know and i can speak very clearly on this it doesn't end well yeah you know but i think a lot of people that get this starry-eyed look like we're talking about here in proverbs uh, a lot of people really that end up that way, like the, the gentleman, let's take the gentleman that ended up uh, accidentally killing my friend here. Right. That was a long time problem for him. Yeah. And that was the only way he could cope with it is what his, that was. And he told me, you know, straight up, he said very clearly, not trying to make excuses, but I was depressed and that was my medication. Yeah. yeah. And he said, I ran out and I was going for more. Yeah. And you know what's interesting? Though, and that's why I, and just, just not to interrupt, yeah, but that's why oftentimes, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this numerous times because I think it's important. Yeah. You know, like I said, I have kind of a podcast laid out in the future for this, but listening to people who have those issues and not just passing it off. And I know you didn't mean it this way, but just saying, uh-huh. Ah, you're drunk. Just you yeah, know, yeah. go home. Oftentimes, there might be something else underlining that's bringing you to that sin. Absolutely. And Jay Adams talks about this in his book, which I would like to go over at some mm-hmm. point here on the podcast. You know, Christian living in the home. Mm-hmm. You know, there's many, many problems that stem from sin. Mm-hmm. We cover up with other things yeah. and then are diagnosed as other problems. As other problems yeah. You know, alcoholism in many cases, I think can be summed up to somebody didn't take five minutes to listen to somebody. Yeah. And they ended up going down that road instead of, Hey, and that's, and that's why we'll be going on to accountability partners in another podcast. But yeah. that's why I feel like that right there. That right there, you know, I was told, you know, just as a preface, when I originally got divorced, you know, many years ago, the most unlikely person presented me with the most unlikely person, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and like I said, you know, this was something so out of character for the person who recommended him. But he's, his words exactly, and that's why I like to use the word, because it was astounding. That's that's a good way to put it. It was astounding. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it was exactly what every Christian needs to hear. Yeah. And I will still remember Tom's words, probably till the day I die. It was, a convers- it was the last conversation I had where we were, you know, on civil terms. And his words were, look... Brig, what you need, I can't give you. It's beyond me. God can help you. But you need an accountability partner. 
someone here on this planet that is going to hold you at the values that God requires. Man, those, the, those words will echo till the day I die. Because what does that say for every Christian? You need someone, and, and, and this, is, this is what I call it. From that, he didn't dive deep into those two words. Mm-hmm. He didn't. That was where the conversation ended. He gave me a phone number. I called the gentleman. It's Martin, who's been on our podcast before, and hopefully will be again. Um, but something that I picked up from that, that I think I went further than he intended, and I think that was God's intention. Is here on earth, we are born into sin. There's no way around that. Any way you slice that cake, you're born into sin. But if I am sinning, and it's obvious to one of my Christian brothers or sisters, I want it to be known. You know, I. Because there is that that chance that I don't know. There is, yeah. That what I'm doing is 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 sinful, and that's why you know people like Stuart here, and I have a couple others, but Stuart is by far my main one here. If I'm sinning, you're gonna tell me, and vice versa. Lay it out right there, like, hey, this is not what God wants you to do. Why don't we look at what God wants you to do? Because I know I've had this conversation with people before. And I'm like, look, I'm not trying to like hit you over the head with the Bible here. But at the end of the day, this is what you're doing. This is what God would rather you do. How do you see the difference in comparison? You know what I mean? How how would you how would you respond to that? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, you if somebody claims to be a Christian, which Brig does, and let's say Brig is doing something that is not very Christian, then I can, I should be able to easily hold him and say, hey, 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 you say you're a Christian, this is what a Christian's doing, and you're not doing that. Do you, do you see? Do you, you see, see the, the difference? Yeah. Here? And that's where Brig can be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Well, darn. Yeah. I mean, I. Kind of want to hit somebody, but I shouldn't because you're right. Yeah. You know? And, and, and <laughs> I see there. we don't so have enough accountability that. partners, you know. Yeah. And you know, and I and I see, and I, and I don't mean to point out here. I am, but I don't mean to, you know, throw anybody under, you know, any buzzes here. But the mega churches have this designed problem. It's a designed problem, but it's accidental. Yeah. It's it's kind of like. It is a problem. There's no way around it, but it's unintentional. Is you don't have that person-to-person relationship where a pastor looks over and sees his congregation and says, hey, this person's having some issues. Let's let's talk to them. Yeah. And that's why I I love I love the way Bill does things with his church. Is and a lot of people don't don't do this, but Bill is only in the church <laughs> actually preparing a sermon on Saturday. Yeah. The rest of the week, he's visiting his congregation. Make, he's, he's person by person, I want to come to your house and say hi to you. Yeah. We need to talk about how you're doing. 
I want I want a one on one. You know how many pastors do that? Very few. That's like every time I I call Bill, this is how that conversation goes. Hey, yeah, I'm pretty busy, you know, visiting people. Uh, can I call you back later? Like, yeah, sure. And I get a call back sometime into Friday, early Saturday, when he's not visiting a person, but he's about to start his Sunday right. studies. Yeah. That speaks volumes. And that goes back to exactly what I've said so many times on this podcast. For me and Stuart personally, accountability partners, it's everything. Yeah. Because, yes, God knows when you're sinning, but it really helps at the end of the day when another person can come up to you and say, hey, how can we fix this? How can I help you fix this? And this is, this is um, you know, don't. Don't think that, you know, we're not living by helping somebody that, I mean, you are doing something that's wonderful, but God is working through you. If you're, if you're somebody else's accountability partner, look at, uh, you know, uh, Nathan, the prophet Mm. came to David, what, you know, and God sent Nathan to, yeah, you know, David, his place, David didn't Uh, like that a single bit. Here's the thing. David didn't like that a single bit. Neither did Nathan. Yeah. Nathan wasn't like, I'm so lucky to be this person. Yeah. I really want to tell him this stuff. What he said is, you know what? This stuff stuff is something that God wants me to tell him. And at the end of the day, David was like, this is something I need to hear. Yeah. It wasn't the beginning. He was like, I'm going to kill that guy. Yeah. Like, but you are him. It's like, oh. Oh, well, that shoot, that might light the sentence a little. (laughs) Well, we'll be right back. We'll close up here in a minute. We'll see you in a minute. We are back. We're going to say a couple, a few, a few more things here. Um, So first off, God gives us wine to gladden our hearts. He gives us wine for good reasons, to drink and enjoyment. Look at Jesus at the wedding. That was literally God turning water into wine. Yeah. And making it a more lit party, you know. Uh, and uh, so here in Proverbs 31.6, it says, Give strong drink to him who is perishing, and wine to those who are bitter of heart. And you know what? I can honestly say... Thank God for my father because he did that for me. Right. This verse right here. Dad didn't know he was doing it. Maybe he did. Right. But he wasn't thinking of this verse. No. He was acting it out because, you know, I, um, whenever uh, my ex fiance broke up with me, man, I was torn up so bad. It was, I mean, it was just the worst thing in the world. That was the lowest point in my life. Fortunately, and I was, you know, a thousand two hundred miles away from my family, so you know, who was I going to go see, right? Well, fortunately, Dad had business in Texas and was in Texas, in Austin specifically, when she broke up with me, and uh, I called Dad about it, brokenhearted and all, and he's like, "Well, Stuart, sometimes these things start over." A beer so maybe let's have them finish over a beer where can i take you tell you what let's go to uh schultz garden i'm, I'm gonna buy you a beer 
And so uh, he did. I went to Schultz Garden and um, I, Dad sat there for two hours just watching me dribble and babble, you know, with beer in hand over, you know, the whole breakup and everything that led up to it and what was going through my mind and everything. And, you know, he didn't say a single word. <laughs> he just sat there and listened. And, you know, I was babbling on like a brokenhearted, you know, guy does. And eventually he just said, well, Stuart, I know that you're in a hard place. And trust me, I know because I've literally been in the exact same place. I had one to do the exact same thing to me. I felt the same way. So I know how you're feeling. And said, this too in time shall pass. And I've, I'll never forget that to my dying day. Those words of wisdom, this too in time shall pass. And uh, so what does the Bible say? Proverbs 31, 6. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart. And that was me right there, both of them. I was bitter in my heart. And I was, I felt like I was perishing, you know, and, uh, you know, when it says to somebody who's perishing, you know, let's say somebody's dying, you know, or they're suffering just in constant pain and they're about to die. Uh, one reason to give them strong drink is because it's going to deaden the pain, you know, <laughs> it'll numb it a little bit because they'll be woozy, you know, they'll be, you know, ooh, nothing hurts anymore, you know, and, you know, the sad thing about that is it can lead to, lead to drunkenness if they're, you know. They don't die, um, but um, it does say. Which is why drink. those accountability partners. Yeah, give strong drink to him who is perishing because it it deadens the pain. You know, it's it's kind, um, and they need it. You know, and so wine to those who are bitter of heart. And I was so so thankful um, that uh, you know Dad was there to help me out there. Um, and so anyway, uh, Ecclesiastes 9, 7, you know, go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already accepted your works. And so, uh, God gives us wine, uh, to enjoy for our enjoyment. Yeah. yeah. For our enjoyment. And if you want to know something that's even better than wine, uh, it says here, um, song of Solomon one, two, uh, let him kiss me with kisses of his mouth. For your love is better than wine. Ooh. Anyway, so. Ooh. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, now to go. note. So, uh, yeah, there's a there's a couple more verses here that we could look at. Um, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, Dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgy, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that right there is like, ah, yeah. There it is. Drunkenness is with all these other sins, so don't do it. Uh, Isaiah 62, 9 through Some 8. of, we should say, the most distasteful sins. Yeah, absolutely. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm, never again will I give your grain as food for your enemies. And never again will foreigners drink the new wine for which you have toiled. 
But those who harvest it will eat it and praise the Lord, and those who gather the grapes will drink it in the, cur in the courts of my sanctuary. This is a curse. Um, it is a curse to have foreigners come in and you know eat all of your food and drink all of your wine and basically um, uh, leech off of all of the things that you have made and done for yourself. Uh, that is that is a curse, and God has cursed His people with that stuff a couple of times. He says, "Hey, you people are just the worst. I'm going to bring foreigners in here, and they're going to have it your women, eat your food, drink your wine, and it will not be fun for you because you people despise me." So there, you know, and um, uh, and then there's blessings from God where God will say. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm, never again will I give your grain as food for your enemies. So I'm not going to feed your enemies with your, with your food. And never again will foreigners drink the new wine for which you have toiled. And so God is like, hey, you made this wine. It's good. I'm not going to let some foreigner drink it. it it'll be yours. Um, and so anyway, uh, I just wanted to say, conclude in this section, wine is a alcohol. In general, strong drink, wine, it's a blessing from God. And just like every blessing, we can twist it, and that turns into drunkenness and debauchery. And so that becomes sin. Wine itself, there's nothing wrong with wine, okay? There's nothing wrong with alcohol. But if you only if you use it in a way that glorifies God, and that's how it should be used. And the Bible is very clear about that. And so... Um, Drink your wine, enjoy it with the love of your life, your friends, your family, yourself, and uh, glorify God with the drinking of wine in the way that he intended it, and you'll be fine. So, yeah, I think I don't have anything more. So. Yeah, I think I think we covered most of what uh, was needed to be hit. Yeah, so anyway, we will hit. catch you next time, and uh, adios. adios.